0: We had Maryville University 10th, uh, universally, Maryville University, universally 10th on yep. this show uh, on like Salty Runbacks public poll. They had Wildcard in 10th. Both of those teams come out with wins today. Yeah, it's completely disrespectful. I think even Mirage looked a little competitive. I know everybody but me was pretty low on Mirage and, and they made some roster changes as well. Uh, so I mean, as long as Lit doesn't kind of live down to the expectations that people have for them Uh, this could be a really competitive league this year what's going on everybody and welcome back to another episode of the salt mine this is season three episode two following up on the first week of the spring 2024 NACL My name's Gordo. I am joined by Slayer and TDS today. We're going to break down some of what we got to see in our first week of the new NACL, the new Best of Three Fearless Draft NACL. That might be just the best thing to start off with there. We got a first week of Best of Threes. We got four total matches. We followed up LCS. We had Fearless Draft. We had all of the good fixins that come with the new season. How did you guys feel uh, about how all that felt coming into our first week?
1: Mm, Mmm, was like I like the idea of the fearless draft. I still feel like we haven't seen its actual Implementation because I feel like there were way too many repetitive picks because one team cannot pick one champion So so they immediately just go to the other side when they went to the second game So it was kind of tit-for-tat without the need to actually ban and try and contest certain picks And I think overall that kind of kills the mood or the idea for the fearless Hopefully the longer it goes it's going to work out better. I maybe when thinking about someone when Quacker played the Darius, right? That was probably the only instance where I actually feel like we saw the value of the Fearless Wrath for the enemy team because now they don't need to ban uh, Quacker's Darius. But that's about it. Apart from that, pretty straightforward, I feel like.
2: Yeah, I think my I think my favorite part about it, if, at least, I understand, like, yeah, it's not going to have too much effect. We'll see all the meta shifts, right? Because sometimes you get yeah. the meta that really pinches pools. Of champions, But I feel like with Season 14, especially now, I think this has worked really well. What's really kind of nullified it is the fact that in a way the items, you know, items have also been expanded. So you can expand champions in there because there's more builds for certain champions that were handicapped by Mythics before. I think my favorite thing about the Fearless draft is that we now get to really get to see certain players' full champion pools, right? Like, last season, it was so fun to talk about how Shoji was willing to play all these crazy picks uh, during normal draft, but now you're going to force certain players to, like, show that they can play other champions or they're going to... They're gonna suffer, and they're they're gonna have uh, issues. Uh, the only person that I, that comes to mind is like Ryoma. Last split, you know, last year would play a lot like the same type of champion, right? Like the the safer okay. control mage champion. And if Ryoma was playing in NA still right now, and he had to get into multiple best of threes, I could realistically see the the strategy of banning out just like the rest of control mages into a game three and really pinching him, and that could really make a team suffer. So I'm curious to see if that will become a thing, and I'm just also just curious to see more people pull out pocket picks picks that I don't know about, because obviously all of us here are very aware of Quacker Starius, as fun as that was. We we could see that coming. I just can't wait till there's one of those picks, kind of like the the docks of Yasuo with Arian Senna bot. I didn't see that coming, so that's where I enjoy it most. I think
1: also, uh, just quickly, I I feel like also uh, week one is probably the place where the safer part of the fearless draft is going to be the most because obviously it's not only week one for NECL, but technically speaking it was week one or or week two for LEC and week one for every other league. So like you kind of don't have a lot of meta development just yet, even if they have played around with it. And we are reaching the second patch just now. So the fact that there's still so much unknowns just because it's the start of the season may impact how Fearless Drive is going to evolve as well.
0: Yeah. I think so. I, I agree a lot with what with what Slayer said there that uh I, I wonder if it will expose players with limited champion pools. Uh not just in the fact that you kinda can ban them a little bit more, but also I think it'll make it more obvious as the series go on, right? Like, we saw people in week one already who were just like Corky Azir, Oriana, where there are three picks for the series. And, you know, if you get a couple of weeks in and every series this guy plays is Corky Azir, Oriana, yeah. you could start to kind of get the vibe that, hey, maybe the pool's not all that deep. Whereas in the past, over the course of three weeks, they might have played like four games of Azir and two games of Oriana. And then it's like not quite as obvious that this guy's got a limited pool, it might just be like, ah, oh, you know, these are meta champions. They were up every game. He picked them every game. It doesn't... You can't read into it that way uh, that you can now. So that would be interesting. Also, I I do... So I just did another show about this yesterday, and we talked about Fearless Draft a little bit there, and it was brought up that it doesn't feel all that different. Like, if you just hopped in the stream, uh, you might not even notice that, like, we were going for Fearless Draft. And the beauty of doing two of these over two days now is that I get to go and, like, have the shower argument where I get to fully flesh out ideas and then bring in uh, more fully fleshed-out takes to this show. And I-, I think part of it is that there were, like, no assets and the graphics for Fearless to, like, show what had been disabled from previous games. It's, yeah. you know, you guys know, because we've been doing prep and preseason for our amateur leagues, but in both Risen and Aegis Champs, We've been talking about like, how are we going to show what is already disabled because a fearless draft, because those tournaments are moving to a fearless format as well. And I think we all kind of had a pin in there to just say, let's see what NACL does and see if we could, you know, learn a little bit from what the major, major quote unquote league is doing. And, uh, turns out they're doing nothing so, or at least yeah. in week one, they were doing nothing. So, <laughs> so maybe that's, uh yeah maybe that's some of the budget cuts hitting maybe it's uh maybe it'll change in future weeks, who's to say uh, but I think that's part of it too, right? like it's definitely not super clear to a viewer how this could be affecting draft unless you like screenshotted the prior draft and are yep. referencing it on the live stream, which you probably aren't doing. You kind of need the stream to do that for you, so that's that's my big suggestion to n a c l and my big takeaway for. ACL and RCL. Once those start up, is you know we really got to communicate to the audience what's disabled because of Fearless and what impact Fearless is having uh, for it to really, I think, feel any different than the traditional formats.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I even um, I remember uh, Whooply shout out Whooply because I know he's he's really great about communicating with the scene at our level. I, I he oh, yeah. tweeted out something like. Do you guys have any questions, or do you guys have anything you'd like to see from the NA broadcast going forward? And I tweeted, like, literally what you said, Gordo. I was like, is there a way that you could graphically show that certain champions that, like, are chosen a lot by a certain player uh, are off the, like, like, Quackers picking Casante Could you show that's off the board for him? Because he picked it, and he responded and said they're working on that, so... Cool. That, that definitely i definitely agree with that take i mean like if I didn't know and were so excited about fearless draft i would and just watched the broadcast i <laughs> i would have just assumed that drafts were getting a little more creative <laughs> yeah
0: it already and yeah, i yeah, think it, the, the broadcast already improved day one to day two or yeah day one to day two is day, day one like they didn't it didn't seem like they were ready with a lot of the assets. They didn't have like cams on the draft and stuff. And then they added those in day two. They didn't have interviews in day one either. They added those in day two. So I think they were kind of just, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like a little bit of a scramble there to get everything together. Maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe just related to budgetary stuff. Who's to say? But excited to see where they take it for the rest of the season. It definitely feels a little trimmed down from last year, um, which I mean is, is true across esports. So. Excited to see what they make of it. I know they've talked about they're doing some content with the LCS and stuff like that. So, should be fun. I'm should be good to get more folks in any can.
1: I'm kind of curious if they can use the. Because in LCS, there was the. I, I remember I saw a couple of posts talking about how in the the interview was happening in the breaks for the mm-hmm. for the second game, for the next games. I'm kind of curious how if they could adapt something similar to the NACL, since I feel like NACL takes it even longer sometimes than the actual just LCS broadcast. So if they could implement something like that to make it shorter, just because I feel like people would be even more interested in just trying to make it go, go faster for some of those games.
0: Yeah, that would be super cool as well. I think there's definitely a lot of room to to fuss around and see what you can, uh, see what yep. you can make happen. So we'll be fun to keep an eye on. We'll be interesting to see it's new to everybody. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of decisions to be made there. What's also new to everybody is just how few games there are. It like gets. uh, it's crazy to look back when we did like this equivalent episode last year. Uh, we had 36 oh games in week number one, uh, yeah. and now we have <laughs> 10 games in week one. <laughs> Two teams didn't even play, so it's going to be a we lot were ignoring easier. CLG first and TL first, so, just because they were so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot easier, I think, to, <laughs> to discuss that now. Um, before we get to the individual series, I do kind of want to say more broadly it does feel like we don't really have like a, and maybe this is getting way too optimistic after having just watched four series, but off the bat, it feels like we might not have like a really weak team, like a CLG first or a TL, uh, with TL first, CLG faith, fly yeah. fam, uh, or like what supernova and, and team fish taco kind of ended up being last year where it's like, they're just so much less likely to win games against middle of the pack or even, uh, or, or higher tier teams, Feels like that might not be the case this year because some of those lowest rated teams, I think, all kind of came out of the gate swinging, right? Like, Maryville, of course, made some big roster changes. They come in with a win in week one. Cincinnati Fear come out with a win in week one in what is a relatively close series. Wildcard comes out with a big win. Uh, Despite that, I I think public opinion had Wildcard 10th, right? Despite we had Maryville University 10th universally, Maryville University universally 10th. On yeah. this show, uh, on like salty runbacks public poll, they had wild card in tenth. Both of those teams come out with wins today. Yeah, it's completely disrespectful. I think even Mirage looked a little competitive. I know everybody bit me was pretty low on Mirage, and and they made some roster changes as well. Uh, so I mean, as long as Lit doesn't kind of live down to the expectations that people have for them, uh, this could be a really competitive league this year.
1: Yeah. Overall, I think they, it has a lot of promise. Particularly, I think the, the thing that stands out to me to make that difference is the fact that there, there is no more BO2s, right? Because last year, and particularly in summer, one of the big things that impacted teams like Supernova or Team Fish Tackle, right, was the fact that they could go 1-1 with the upper teams, right? Like, it's not like they could lose out on a series and it would be that bad. If they tied with with uh, TFT, with sorry, with FlyQuest, Or with TLC, that was a win in and of itself. Now they actually have to win the series. And I think that makes a big difference considering who could be the lower rated teams. Also now the fact that teams kind of... I feel like the rosters, how they went for the rosters ended up being more balanced out because of how some of the players ended up going, right? The fact that we had the luck that even though there was talent that could have gone higher, they still stuck around for some of the rosters to be is strong enough and they took the chances in really good amateur talent that was down there so i feel like the mix ended up being quite nice overall and then maryville which was a surprise i, I honestly feel like if i knew their roster before actually putting them 10th i wouldn't have put them tenth. agree because like nothing yeah. against uh, some of their players but yuji and spyrax are in my eyes upgrades over get back and odd orange so I think those two already make a big, big difference. And then you can make arguments, Scary Jerry and Psycho, all you want. But they took two of the, better, of the best parts from their previous year, which were Niles and Psycho, and, sorry, and Scary Jerry. And then they added on top of them two of the, two, uh, two strong players from Fly C, yeah, last year. And that already have synergy, right? So already playing well enough together, they can bring further up the level of Maryville. And this may be the first time I'm actually supporting a collegiate team because I actually like the roster. Oh. It,
2: it's all. It's also important that, you know, it's Spyrax in mid because it, it was about to be yeah. Spyrax at top. And I, I know I made the point last episode that <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, I know Gordo pulled out the like one technicality of a top or, or a mid laner, especially the top that like worked out kind of, but I, it doesn't ever really happen because it doesn't ever go well. So, um, yeah, but go back to that one point TDS. Another reason why I I really like that It's not BO twos anymore is because we had some situations, especially towards the bottom of the, of the standings where it's like, okay. Like AO, like AOE and TFT, they always split their series one, one. And yeah. the only reason one of them ended higher than the other one, I'm just using those two as reference. I don't know if that's actually statistically true, but we did have a thought of teams that like split one and one with each other towards the lower side. And then we got to the end of the year, it's like, oh, well, in reality, this team's getting relegated not because they were worse than the team that was above them. But because they won some games, they won a couple more games and maybe tied a couple more games against higher teams than the other guy did. And while that is a fair margin, like, if you do beat the better teams more often than a team that's closer to you, you do deserve to be higher. But I just prefer the more straightforward approach of, if I beat this team, I should be higher than this team in the standings. And that's something that we will always be on now going forward, hopefully, with the BO3s.
0: Yeah, I do want to say on the subject of, like, Tying or winning individual games and that mattering. I do still think going one and two versus going zero oh and two will still matter a lot because mm-hmm. tiebreakers are on game win percentage, not necessarily on head to head record. And because uh, I think it's on game win percentage before it's on head to head record. Uh, Good. I, I looked this up in the rule book. And uh
1: it's how yeah. LCK and LPA. And given that life, it's so. given
0: that it's single round robin too, so you're only gonna play nine matches, you're gonna tie on match record a lot more often. So yeah. we're going to get people tying in match record, right? Like there's gonna be multiple teams that are three and four, four and three. Like there's gonna be a lot of that doesn't add up to nine. Uh five and four, okay. four and five. <laughs> uh there we go. there's gonna be a lot of teams. I'm thinking of LCS because LCS is eight teams now. Um, yep. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of teams that are four and five, five and four, like probably a couple of six and threes. Like there's going to be a lot of repeating records. Uh, very unlikely that the 10 teams all get 10 unique records. Um, so there's definitely going to be ties. And when you get those ties, uh, your game-win percentage is going to be what matters. So going one and two instead of going oh and two is actually huge.
2: Yep. I think I think they bought the format. I think this is I I, yep. I just think this should be the format for the rest of NACL's existence. Personally, I mean it's a good format. Is that a hot take through one week? Maybe. I like it overall. I don't really yeah.
0: Care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I think it's a good format. Uh, people are gonna complain that they want more stage games. I think probably than uh, than single yeah. round robin. But screw it. I, I think it's a good format. I think it's a it's entertaining. It lets you get enough NACL into the weekend. It's the best and like of the competition. Eight, eight teams make playoffs, so you still got best of fives and stuff, and it's a double elim playoff at that. There's a lot you're gonna get two best of fives as long as you're not a bottom two team, and if you're a bottom two yep. team, you're gonna get two best of fives over in that promotion tournament. So yep, everybody's Everyone getting some best of fives in one way or the other. Yeah,
1: it works out as long as that works out. I feel like. For the teams that should be good enough. And there's still quite a bit of time before they actually end up going into the BO5s. We're also just saying, I feel like that's where we actually see the beauty of Fearless Draft, much more so than three games.
2: Five oh, yeah. actually
1: just amplifies that even more. So that could, that is going to be even
2: funner. For sure. There are going to be some players in, be, in those best of fives that are going to get exposed mm-hmm. f- with their champ pools, and that's going to completely change their career. And if we're being realistic, it's deserved because if you want to be the best of the best at this at the higher level, you're gonna have to play best of fives that are, that test your champ pool. Yeah, there's gonna, gonna the get to, we're gonna get some messy
0: best of fives though. Like they're gonna get, we're gonna get to game fours and game fives where people <laughs> are like, I don't know what to play anymore, and
1: just give me anything, any mid lane, that's it. Yeah. We go for that and they end yeah. up winning.
0: We'll see. I, I might revisit my opinions on fearless draft based on how those best fives look, but we'll. That's fair. That's we'll stay tuned. I to. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it was a lorem who said uh, a couple weeks ago when we had him on uh, that you could see a world where you get late into the series and it just becomes about drafting a comp that works, like just finding a way that to build a composition that makes any sense at all. And uh, some teams might fail that test, <laughs> so we'll. Yeah. We'll see how they're able to do, but. With that said, let's let's talk about our series. we got four series to chat about. Should be no issue to get through all of them uh, on today's show and maybe look towards next week just a little bit as well. First up for the weekend was Fly Challengers versus Disguise. That was kind of the big hype matchup uh, that everybody was excited for after week one of LCS or day one of LCS. And it ended up being a pretty solid 2-0 for Fly Challengers. Feels like probably the least exciting of the four series, but definitely still... Yeah. Worth a conversation i think it was a lot more one sided for fly challengers than i think a lot of people would have thought
1: I agree i was expecting this to go the whole way i was expecting more fight from this guy i still thought that FlyZ was going to be the better team but like i, I that was a bigger margin that i was expecting and obviously there's more than this guy did this did this in the previous split right they took more time to ramp up before they actually became the champions, obviously different players. But the, the idea was uh, working towards it. That being said, I think Flyzy looked really really strong. I like how their parts combined. Quad was looking really well. I think he was pretty solid I a the matchup that, technically speaking, is quite tough because it's probably the best mid laner in NACL, uh in, in the form of Young, and he pre- performed really great against him. But I, I want to put the spotlight on Siad because I think that it. The the rest of the names kind of take away from him, but he was a really, really good performer in that matchup. Like I think he not only delivered, but played probably better than I was expecting him from his first matchup against a really tough team. So huge props to him and I'm excited to see him more.
2: Yeah, I I was um to to do the obvious Analysis from Slayer here. Uh, Sajed certainly benefited from the fact that I think Chime had an outstanding performance as well. Uh, I I think Chime looked like the much better support. Uh, He grabbed the first first blood of the game. And he he honestly looked like he was on autopilot on uh, Nautilus. So I, he, he just looked really solid the entire time. That uh, game one especially. Uh, it, it it can't be easier to play engage supports because positioning isn't necessarily the biggest deal uh, compared to an enchanter, um, which which will be interesting to follow, especially because I think on fourteen point two, you know, certain enchanters, <clears throat> karma are going to be really high prio. So we'll figure out what support players can play karma. Um, but I was really impressed with Chime. I also back up uh, Qu- Qu- quad was just. Yeah, I, I don't know how he survived that Yone matchup and came out on top so well. He also was just constantly looking for those really good engaged setup, setups on Yone from, like, over the wall. He was going, like, over the wall with his um, clone form and just fade ceiling under turret to set up the rest of his team to dive in. And that's, like, obviously that's what you expect Yone players to do, but, you know, it's his first game. You know, he just came over to America, and the fact that he has the confidence to, like, still go for these plays as like, kind of like the newer guy around this team. It just shows me he already has that confidence, and yeah. like we talked about last episode, we've seen a lot of import Koreans come in and not have that confidence and look terrible and being pushed out of not only the NACL but the LCS. Yeah, yeah, and I think
1: that that's an important different or divide to make, right? The fact that he came in for LCS. And technically speaking, he was demoted to an ECL, but still trying to, to show himself, I feel like it's quite important. He's not a rookie in any form because he has played quite a lot in the LCK and he also played in the LCS, but I feel like that would demotivate a lot of players, even just normal LCS players going from here to here demotivates you, right? So the fact that he was able to at the very least perform really well in that first series, It's something to look forward to in the future. And if he can keep on performing to that level, maybe one of the first mid laners to look into promotion when teams get desperate.
0: Yeah, I I think that's actually a great point. That's something I kind of wanted to bring up is I do think uh, the the broader NACL community, uh, Twitter discourse, all this kind of stuff, is a little guilty of kind of painting Romer and Quad with the same brush. A little bit because they're so narratively similar, right? They're both coming in to these LCS affiliate challenger teams. They're both Koreans, obviously. They've all spent a lot of time in LCKCL. They're both backing up North American uh, mid laners above them who are. Uh, at risk of losing their Gentleman positions because those yep. teams are holding open import slots in case they want to call these guys up. They're in such similar positions that I think it was very easy for a lot of us. And I'm definitely included in this when I wasn't watching too much footage um, of just kind of painting them with the same brush and going like, yeah, you know, that's, th- th- these guys are in a pretty similar class, but I think if you dig in a little bit more, that's really not the case with these two guys. Like Romer is a guy who spent three years in challengers and never stood out enough to get that call up to get a shot mm-hmm. at LCK whereas quad has gone up and down a couple of times uh, and at the end of the day if people who don't know by the way quad used to be known as solka uh if that means anything if, if, if that's a if that's an LCK name that means anything to you um so over the course of his career i mean quad has got 87 LCK games he's He's played a lot of LCK. He's played more LCK games than people that we would consider LCS veterans have played LCS games. Technically
1: speaking, as long as you play one year of LCK, you're closer to that than any LCS pro.
0: Exactly, yeah. And he's played multiple (laughs) years of, at least multiple splits of LCK. He's played, uh, he's gotten whole splits before, or at least solid chunks of splits. He's gotten dozens of games on quite a few different teams and hasn't quite really been able to put it together. But, uh definitely i think is deserves that recognition for being a just a really tenured player and having that kind of pedigree that i don't think quite matches what what romer brings to the table i think that showed this weekend for sure like i think quad yeah. looked quad looked like he could be a top player in the nacl i think romer looked like he struggled um so yeah i mean that's that's just something i'm keeping in mind going forward is that uh yeah i mean the the koreans as a group are definitely not one to one. I think quad is definitely on another level.
2: Yep. I think it's uh, also important to mention that the I know I know the the teams are similar for like the fact that Team Liquid's LCS team has an open import slot, flight, fly, fly Flyquest also has an open import slot. I think where it differs though is the fact that Jensen versus APA is a very interesting and different conversation, especially you taking the narratives around the LCS right now. I think LCS fans and and some LCS teams have now started to actually adopt the moniker of we're going to start believing in our talent that is built here. Um, And APA is obviously this young guy who got brought up last year and looked really good and has a lot of the support of a lot of North American players. So I think in a weird way, he kind of has a bit more of a leash with TL Mm -hmm. than I would expect uh, Jensen went with FlyQuest. Um, especially because, like you mentioned, Romer, it, it looks like more of a project. And I think TL knew he was going to be more of a project uh, once he got brought in. But I wouldn't be surprised, especially with the fact that, you know, FlyQuest brought in, like, a player, like, inspired. FlyQuest looked like they still kind of want to compete. I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, if Jensen, who's had multiple shots, played on a lot of teams, doesn't necessarily look like the, at least in the last couple of splits, the Jensen that was, you know, Dominating on Cloud9, going toe-to-toe with Bjergsen in Grand Finals. If we see Quad get the switch, I would more likely expect the switch from Quad and Jensen a lot more than Romer to APA, even if Romer was playing well. That's fair. I yeah,
0: I, I do. I Does anyone know how good uh, uh, Quad's English is? I don't I know. I don't know either. I don't
1: think yeah i don't think like comparable to other players as far as i know just looking at how people have talked about what i don't think he's proficient in english like compared so, to like just one-to-ones to to all the other koreans that have come right the best i feel like so far has been Omtes, like um, kind of perception because something is
0: pretty fluent in yeah. english as far as yeah. we know and the, then they like, like or, castle or, and mask for sure yeah yeah, yeah. Pretty or like
2: horse and even dove yeah Core is obviously no, really I, good. I band. think that
1: I would say Quid is probably at the bottom of the barrier in that sense, which I, I, my expectation is that FlyQuest, especially with how they kind of me, uh, meshed up the roster, right? My expectation is that they brought Quad for either summer or next year, not for this first place. So I don't expect to see much yeah. change coming through. But after that, I can see Quad being much more involved in the, in the roster. Just yeah. because I also think Jensen probably... Retires after this year. Not saying that I know anything. I just feel like we're reaching a point where Jensen probably ends up retiring after this year. It could happen. I, yeah.
0: Because I, 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 the thing I would look for, right, is you know when you do get a guy like Inspired, you want to make sure he can communicate with his mid laner, and yeah. Uh, yeah, be be set up for success. You know, I think that's the kind of player you want Inspired to be. Um, so yeah, I think I would I would be concerned about giving, especially because he's. N- I mean he's played with Impact but Impact's English was excellent at that point you know English or sure. Impact had been in America for 10 years by the time yeah, Inspired it... played with him so Inspired's never really played with a Korean import before um so yeah I don't know I don't know if that's an experiment you want to try in real time here with Quad either especially when you have a player that can be as reliable as Jensen um to fall back on so we'll see how that plays out but
1: like, the only way is if Jensen completely begins to underperform, right? Like, Definitely. that would be the only reason yeah. I can see
0: that And I happening. think he looked fine in week one, so I'm not yeah. that yeah. worried about it. I don't expect um, that much. But yeah, FlyQuest Fly looks great, though. I, I think they will be they will continue to be great. And I'm not writing off DSG, off this series either. Um, because I think FlyQuest look great. So, we'll, we'll see how, how both these teams continue to do. But I don't know if there's too many, too many takeaways think... from this series other than that. FlyQuest should be the favorite. If uh, if anybody was yep. not on FlyQuest, as the favorite. I think this series should really, should really get you on board. Let's move yeah, on that... to wildcard team Liquid. Uh, huge upset there, uh, at least compared to what most people were expecting. Uh, a big Quacker validation moment. Uh, <laughs> huge series for him. Uh, I mean, his his Darius playing game one was fantastic. That champion's being buffed now. This is going to be a big Darius here for for Quacker and Dragoon, at least at the current rate it's going. And, yeah, I mean, props to Wildcard for coming out of the gate with a really stol- solid
2: showing there. Yeah, and, you know, I-, I can sit here in victory lap. I'm sure some people were expecting me to sit here in victory lap. I'm actually not going to yet because the uh, game two is you actually – I, I Game two was actually a lot sloppier um, than I thought it should have ended up being. Obviously, that was just like the weirdest game ever. Uh, if you, if anyone yeah. at home didn't watch it, uh, there was a point where Wildcard were knocking on TL inhibitor turrets, but they were down like something to the tune of like fifteen to four in kills, like f- sixteen four. It, it, it was one of those weird games where it's like one team was really kill hungry, the other one were really good with macro, um, and that was Wildcard, which. You, you want to give some onus to them for the, the macro. But, you know, I, I think the most impressive part is obviously Quacker. Um, Quacker, not only, I think he out in lane Jenkins in both games because I know Jenkins got really fed towards the end of the other game, but that was mostly off the roams and the team fights. Quacker actually did solo kill Jenkins before that game, kind of spout out of control in the kill count, um, punishing him, really punishing him in the Cassante, as a Cassante in the Rumble matchup, which mm-hmm. yeah, never really easy. Uh, But I was actually impressed with not only how Arian and Doxa played together, not only how they looked with the rest of the team, but their willingness and ability to play comps that were were not standard. (laughs) There is a lot of comps you can play in the bottom lane right now, Uh, and Senna and Yasuo is certainly one of the more creative ones, and... (laughs) <laughs> Doxa's Yasuo so, won them a lot of fights. Um, the key easy knockups came across. He, he knocked them down with Quacker, so we talked about wildcard. Everyone was kind of, I think we were mostly in agreement that the hindrance was going to be, do we believe in Doxa? Does Arian deserve the hype that a lot of people put on him? Through one week, I think they uh, they upheld and superseded some aspects, certainly the Salty Rumbacks community votes um, feedback. Well, <laughs> hmm.
1: oh. As long as it works out in the continuation, that's going to be great. I like, like, like I was saying, this is probably one of the first times I've liked the roster from Maryville And I think it has a lot of potential, especially looking with the mid lane jungle duo. Because I think that they are really, really strong. And then Doxa brings up the fact that he's, I think he has essentially played almost every role in competitive kind of to a certain degree so like he brings a lot of bari- uh, variety that not a lot of other players can bring like he's played top lane he's played mid lane he's played now support i think he's played ad carry for one team as well so like he has a lot of input that he can bring to a role that variety can be a great thing especially if you do get counter picks now looking on the other side with TLC because i feel that or because i feel like like there's not a lot of things that i can say from wildcard from Maryville because i think yeah from wildcard sorry that i think they can be really strong from so i uh, i feel like the quacker already kind of impressed and the rest of the members are special shoutouts to bring forward particularly dark wings also yeah just quickly dark wings last year was great this year staying great i just want to keep that going because i feel like he's one of the most underappreciated players in the NHL. Yes. Like, he doesn't get enough shoutouts, and every team he's been on, he's been consistently good. I don't remember one team where he was that you could say he was a straight weakling or he made the team worse with uh, with the team. Like, he's a, a great player, and I feel like he deserves more attention as a mid laner. But then on the other side with TLC, the counterpart is where I'm worried at. Like, Romer, and, and Gordo mentioned this, Romer has been, or was a sock three years in the Challengers League. And he was in Hanwa Life, so he had chances to actually go up. Like Seca was brought in last year. Before that, there were plenty of chances, I would say, for Hanwa Life to actually had a replace in the mid lane. So, and other rosters also were looking for mid laners. Like LCK had the top four, and then the rest were interchangeable in my eyes. Yeah, he was on so,
0: BrioN for a little bit too. Like when BrioN, yeah, yeah,
1: there was there was Lava in Breon BrioN and carries' which. Carries is not a bad player, but he hasn't been uh, super impressive. So, like, there were opportunities for Romer to actually find a move up there into the LCK. And you can see now that players that played against Romer now are actually in the LCK. Like Bulldog or uh, the. What is the name of the mid laner from Longshim? I'm blanking on him. But he's recently. Oh, wow. He was recently. know. Uh, um... It's not Fiesta, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, play
0: yeah, play you're uh, the
1: the 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 the. the, the, the uh, look Fiesta? For for the rosters. No, Fiesta. Fiesta was last year, but it's not. It's the, they have call, uh, call me, me now, right? Yeah. yeah, call me. Call me was also uh, right or like closer too
0: would be in that category as well, right? They have Closer Yeah, and so there LCK. Were,
1: there's multiple mid laners that played against Romer that have gone up, and he hasn't. So already there, I'm kind of worried about where I can put Romer into that category and I think that he wasn't any really impressive against uh against Darkwing and he kind of didn't have any sort of impact that you can find like that's the contrast when looking at the Quid and Romer argument right like Quid not only had the experience of being actually in the LCK but his level of play was more aggressive more proactive more willing to make things happen and also had a pool that I can get behind at the very least with those first games Romer doesn't feel like that at this point. Obviously, it's first game, week one. But I'm scared that this was just bring a Korean for the sake of bring a Korean and not so much of bring someone that I can actually get behind. Not similar to what happened with Arthur, right? Arthur was, at the very least, he was a world's, close to a world's caliber jungler since he actually went there, he performed, and he was battling it out with... Uh, I think it was against uh, Pyoshik at the moment when he was in the RX or yeah, well in the RX before they actually won worlds to actually contest or actually Hanwa maybe it was actually Hanwa. So yeah, he was think, in one of those yeah. rosters. Yeah. It was probably Juhan. So, uh, so in no Pyoshik Johan. So there was contest actually for him to be the starter in any team, not like Romer. And that's where I'm worried at.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely see that. And yeah, it definitely feels like they're having some potential comm issues as well. I definitely think a lot of TL yeah. throwing that game number two comes down to Romer not being able to get TPs off. And, you know, I, I, I we don't have comms, so hard to tell. You know, maybe somebody yeah. needs to throw down a ward and nobody's doing it. But he ends up having to teleport pretty far away, both when Wildcard is sneaking Baron and at that top fight where the gold leans ends up actually swinging. So... Definitely costs TL quite a bit there, um, with Romer getting stuck in bot lane and not being able to get to the fights in time. And uh, yeah, I mean, just a rough, just a rough showing, rough week one for them. Uh, I don't have a lot of doubt about them being able to get it together. I, I assume Spawn will still be involved from up top. I think Mash is a good coach in his own right, so I think they should, uh, they should be able to get it together. But um, yeah, rough week one. That's for what happens like- when you play with your coach as AD Carry? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that, that could be a weird.
1: that the joke somewhere. Yeah, spawn
0: and spawn when spawn comes down to coach spawn. I think spawn will perform a lot better, but then you got to wonder is that going to affect <laughs> spawn's performance with the main squad. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: I, yeah, There's I a also
2: yeah, uh, I also want to give some. I I want to give Keel. I th- I think Keel is uh. Struggled to adapt to the likely, you know, calm issue with it with Romer. because I know a, a couple of those dives looked uh, really sus. Uh, they had like yeah. one good one, I think it might have been for first blood in game two when they got Dark Wings. But outside of that, there was like there was a wacky dive that only got bailed out because Jenkins was first Roam bot and he was able to trade two kills out. But if he wasn't there, then Keel was just dead on the in, the, in enemy jungle and. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it can be written out by comm issues. I know Josh, he also was mentioning in game number two that Kim Down didn't look like the Kim Down he saw from last split. Uh, he said that on broadcast, so Kim Down looked a little rusty. I, I think I'm going to treat TLC the same way that we treated DSG last year with their start. I mean, until I see multiple b- bad losses uh, and you know potentially up against some of these other rosters we put a lot lower, that then we can have that conversation, but... I'm willing to say growing pains for week one.
0: I think that's fair. Yep. I think it's, it's so yeah. weird talking about a week one where it's like, you've only seen them against yeah. one opponent and you haven't even yeah. seen all the teams. So it's so hard to make like these kind of wide sweeping changes to your power rankings off of it. So I think a lot of these teams we're going to end up having to say, well, you're going to have to see, but
2: interesting. I don't to have break to say down. that about wildcard. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have to. I think, well, yeah, I mean,
0: I think wild card looked good too. Makes it a quite the race for tenth, to be honest. With with wildcard looking good and Mariville looking good, hope that Lit looks good, and then it's like got a lot of potential to be really close competition. Would be hilarious for a team like TL to to potentially face relegation. I don't think that'll happen, but uh,
2: what can, can can they? not? Oh. was is Slayer muted for me or yeah? I lost Slayer's okay. audio as well. Uh, yeah. Uh oh, did that fix it yeah, I can hear yeah you now. it looks like discord bug I-, I was gonna say i was gonna say uh i remember when they had a bunch of challengers teams affiliated with lcs orgs they couldn't relegate the lcs affiliated ones i don't know if that rule still holds i don't believe with- it, I does. it doesn't no yeah, yeah now that it's that, 10 that teams
0: works. again the the lcs teams can be relegated okay yep. yeah
2: but the, the bad part
1: about that is that it Nine out of ten. Times, yeah, I think that's probably, probably a net bad
0: round. for the league if TL gets relegated. Yeah. But yeah, be, yeah, it'll be wild. Hopefully, they keep them in in tier three. The TL Challengers is in imagine tier three.
1: ACL chem ACL oh with my TL. ACL TL <laughs> Challengers.
0: That's the dream, baby. All right. Yeah, definitely getting way too far ahead of ourselves there. I think TL will turn it around. <laughs> um Yeah. Probably. Let's talk about some of the closer series. Fear versus Mirage Alliance. I liked this series. This was my favorite series of the weekend, I think. It was cool to see what both teams brought to the table. Let's talk real quick about Mirage's new roster, because this is not the Mirage that we featured in our roster breakdown last week. This is a different Mirage, uh, with two players in different positions and one entirely different player. So they've changed in three roles, arguably. Uh, So it's now Will in the jungle, and it is... Now Prismal at AD and now Dardock at support. So, some big swap ups there. Is this a better team than the one that qualified? Rank your three Mirage Alliance teams.
2: Uh, um,
1: <laughs> so That's I a quality one. question. Yeah. I have one that I would have rung the top among them if they just. And I made a tweet about it, right? Like, I would have kept this roster, changed Prismal for. For, I'm blanking on his name scooped. now, but for scooped. for scooped. And I think that roster is better. Hmm. Like I don't know what they got rid of Scooped in, in all honesty. I feel like well, he's like yeah, bad for
2: Prismo, but I would take him over Prismal right now. Yeah, I think I think I'm with TDS. I, I do I don't think this is one. Also partially because I still believe in the camp that Darduk. Is it the best at positioning on support? And it gets exposed when he plays enchanters. It gets kind of bailed out when he was on tank duty. And I know for a lot of the promotion tournaments, metas, it was just all that was when like Rel was like B1ing and like Nautilus yep. was really good. Rel Nautilus uh, and Alistar is yeah. the counter. And, yeah. And then Alistar and like you, like Braum was sometimes a counter too. So like that was like Dardog could get kind of a pass if he mispositioned because before he could be like, oh, I've got it out of position, but look, I caught one and I, like, he won't die as quickly. But now if we start shifting into Enchanter meta, which, are, you know, is obviously going to be a big player going forward, um, I think Dardoch will have some issues. Uh, so I would have liked him better at Jungle. And then, like you mentioned, I would rather have Scoop than Prismal at AD. So I guess I'd put this... I might put this three, because Chad looks really good, and he was on the promotion team. So...
0: Yeah, big, you know, I think the promotion big revenge game the for Chad here, by the way. so
2: Yeah, true. And he looked good. He looked... He, did. he had a really oh, good Chad. game
1: three, correct? I think. Chad has always been his... Like, probably one of the junglers that also doesn't get enough respect, and he's been really good every time he's on NECL. So, like, mm. probably a bit more attention should be put into him. I think that in that same main, I think Will and Chad are much closer than maybe others put credit. Like, I think Will is not an upgrade, but he's definitely not a downgrade either. Like, he's a, a really good side read for the team. I think the issue really is what happened down there in the bottom lane. And then I'm not a particular fan of their mid lane change. Like, I don't know what they did not stock with Satsi. in all honesty. Hmm. I think Satsi was one of their main reasons for going up. And RJS, to me, doesn't bring that much... Big, uh, bigger value than what Salty was giving them. And I think Salty has more upside.
0: RJS is a player I'm kind of wondering about the depth now, too, because, uh, you know, he is he is one of those guys who, like, played Azir, Corky, Orianna in, yeah. in the first three games, yeah, and did. that is kind of what I think of RJS as a player. I really do think of those control mages. Um, I think he piloted the Azir quite well, especially in game number one, but I do wonder oh, how yeah. deep that well goes given how I think of him as a player, right? I just think of him as like this yeah. control mage guy. I think that's most of what we've seen out of him in his career. Uh, do got to wonder if, if that's going to become an issue, if he's one of those players that could be exposed there. We'll be curious to check out. I do agree with the analysis. Starters, I thought his, I thought his Lulu game three looked pretty good. Uh, I didn't have too many issues with it. I think I had some pretty solid ultimates, had some pretty solid setups with it as well. Uh, but I do think like this team looked at its best in game one for sure, where it's just Dardock on Rel, roaming mid on repeat, uh, to get RJS ahead on the Azir and and have him carry the game. I think that's the recipe that you want. Uh, this Mirage team to be following, and I think you also kind of want Dardock out of bot lane because when he's yeah. in bot lane it does not seem like it's going very well. They're taking 2v2 fights that they are not well equipped to win and in game number 3 especially like they're going they're taking like uh aggressive 2v2 fights that are just like straight up losing them the game. So well,
1: I think that that comes with the difference of Prismo and Neo, right? Like I think Neo is a better player than Prismo.
0: Hmm. Just
1: like Neo, Neo salvaged a lot of the bad stuff also that Dardog was doing and I remember I think I remember a couple of interviews or uh, some interview we have with Dardog at, at one point where he pretty much like just made it pretty clear that Neo was one of the main reasons like he could be as aggressive or as free as he could because Neo kind of not single-handedly but like he handled the lane in a really in a good enough manner that it opened up the opportunities for Dardog, and I think that that's not something that Small allows for him so I feel like that big difference from going from Neo to Prismal also affects how
2: Dardock has to approach certain differences in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Gordo, I'm glad you brought up the, the game three because I, I know this isn't the truth because it wasn't a wacky bottom lane matchup. Like, there's, there's, there's I know for a fact that Dardock and Prismal have seen plenty of Lucianami in their career, uh, but it just felt like they didn't really understand the early game matchup. Like the 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 positioning of Prismal on on like a Fellios, Like this is a lane where you're just supposed to sit back and kind of farm and maybe look for poke windows, depending on your your, your combination. But they were just like way too far up in the lane. And it's it's like Lucianami, you need to abuse range, and they just never were really abusing range. And like you mentioned, it kind of just snowballed out of control. And those are issues that you know they didn't get away with against fear. They're not gonna get away with it against Fly, fly, C, TLC. I, 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 would assume, DSG. Like, this, this is just gonna get worse and worse. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I do think that, um, uh, not to switch gears to the other side, but if we're talking about how we're worried about RGS, RJS's pool, I think Toasty already showed that he could play a lot of things. So, I, I wanted to give you the floor, Gordo, to do your Toasty thing, cause I know. Yeah is well, your boy.
0: He is my boy. I, I did want to say, like, the other thing about what really sinks him in the bot lane in that game number three, though, and this does also segue into Toasty, so don't worry. We're right on track. The is just back-to-back plays, like, pretty early to mid-game-ish. Is like Toasty just gets pushed in mid lane because he's Nico into Oriana. He could do that all day, every day. He they, He's literally crashing a wave into turret. RJS is farming under tower. It's completely face up what is going on here, and Nico is wandering away. Obviously, RJS—I'm assuming RJS is communicating this. If he isn't, I mean that's a big issue. You've got to communicate that, especially against Nico, who can disappear from the minimap uh, by shifting into a minion. You you really do need to be communicating when she is and isn't there. Uh, so I I've got to believe that that's happening. But twice in a row, right? Like RJS is shoved under yeah. turret. Nico is leaving the lane. It is completely face up. And they are just up too far, getting Nocturne, Nico ganked in bottom lane like twice, two plays in a row. They give up like five kills because they get uh they get Will killed in one of those things too. So it's just really, yeah, like they they kind of throw the whole game there, and then they nearly throw it back, and Toasty salvages it with some absolutely clutch Nico ultimates. So yeah, I mean, huge props to Toasty for that game number three. Don't get me wrong, he played it absolutely great. He's the MVP, but. He, he definitely got given some freebies roaming down to the bot lane there by yeah. Prismal and Dardoch, uh, game two, I'm more willing to like kind of write off. They are playing a weird duo against another weird duo, like having to play. Yeah. Yasuo Senna against, uh, Karma. Yeah. That's, that's, no. that's some goofy stuff. I'm willing to kind of write that off a little bit, but yeah, game three was definitely concerning. Um, but toasty was great. Um, uh,
2: Yone game was awesome.
0: Yeah, the Yone game oh, really? was awesome. The uh, you know I think that was more about Chad than it was about Toasty, but Toasty filled his role really well. I think his real standout was the Nico game, his Akali game. He's getting chain ganked and killed by Dardock, so he's kind of out of it there. I don't know if I have the confidence in his pool off of just this series though, because while they are different styles of champion. Uh, I think the two picks I think of when I think of Toasty are Nico and Yone. So I do want to see a yeah. little more um, before I start saying you know he's he's got a great deep champion pool. But I think th- even if he doesn't, even if even if he's a Nico Yone boy all season, I think he he looked quite good. Uh, and I don't think his I think his team around him is strong enough that you probably can't just ban Nico Yone every game. So uh, yep. think, yeah, yeah, totally like I think like Chad's too big of a threat for that. I think. Um, I think Lens is, uh, Lens Daption are a competent enough bot lane that especially in the current Probably. meta, you can't, you can't not ban any bot laners. I mean, come on. So mm, I, yeah. I think he's got a team around him that, that means he'll be fine, even if he is a little more limited. Um, and I'm not even saying he necessarily is, right? I mean, he got to play as Nico and his Yone. And nobody stopped him. So uh, happy to see that he got both of them and he looked good on both of them.
2: Yeah, and uh, Philip. I mean, you're always going to have to ban a lot of Philip things away. I mean, yeah. uh, I believe yeah, Mirage will s-
0: against him.
2: Yeah, Mirage learned real quick about his Olaf as well. Uh, probably should can that when you can. Um, and, Gora, uh, quickly, your point before, before TDS goes. I, I guess I would be more comfortable assuming that toasty is competent on one of those standard control mages then i am confident that rjs can pull out a pocket pick Fair. like a yone or an ego because like yeah it, it's it, when it comes to control mages it, it's like saying you expect a top player know how to play tanks like yeah every top lane player has a tank they can play every mid laner should have a control mage they can play
0: yeah and I think I think Toasty, you know, he has an Oriana, he has a Vizier. and I, I, I don't doubt that he can yeah. play them. I don't know if they're I his think best. Talia as
1: well is one that we don't we don't get to see much, but he's really good at Talia.
0: It's
1: hmm. totally. And fair. like talking about Toasty a bit, I'm glad this was the the debut that he had in the NACL. Not because it's it's super like eye popping or anything like that. Like yes, game three was great, but. The type of player that I want to see like Debut is the one that doesn't fear a lot of things, right? And if he was more, like, shying away from actually going for plays, I would be more scared for Toasty. But even if he fails, I'd rather him just go out with the bangs than not actually trying. I think that fits more for what we saw from Toasty going up than anything other than this. And I'm fine if he ends up not, like, performing every game, right? Like, as long as he has 50-50 performances where he either carries it out or destroys the game that's perfectly fine because that that can be growed into a player that can eventually be the carry that doesn't end up m- messing up the game for you but if he was more shy or more uh unwilling to go for certain plays that would be more scary for me when thinking about Tosi so I feel like this was a really good debut by him I hope to see more from the, him in this split and if he can keep on developing that's going to be perfectly fine looking into Summer. Like I already like what I saw from Toasty I'm hoping that he can keep something similar going and thinking about uh, Mirage Alliance, is pro- I'm kind of getting the vibes that this is probably the team we first seen make some changes. Like not build changes but actual changes. Um. I'm kind of looking where I feel like RGS is probably going to be the First one, if not Prismal.
0: I want to see how Prismal and Dardock kind of get jiving. Like I think they look like the worst part, and yeah. they just roll swapped like a week ago, both of them. So I, I'm willing yeah. to give them a little more time uh, and see what they can put together. But I I agree, the bot lane's looking rough.
1: Hmm.
0: All right. Well, let's get into our last game. Looks like we're going to keep it at just about an hour here. Maryville University versus AOE, a two-to-one win for Maryville. And this is another new roster that we didn't get to talk about last week. Maryville come out with three changes of their own, keeping only Scary Jerry yep. and Zyko in the bottom lane, bringing back Niles in the top as he is going to grad school at Maryville. So that's that's Clerky's little workaround there. And then starting Yuji and Spyrax the... Long-time jungle mid-duo of Fly challengers. And I agree with what TDS kind of referenced earlier. That makes this like a real NACL team. And I would not have put them 10th yeah. if this had been like labeled as the starting roster. Nope.
1: Also, a yep. quick thing just just before I, I forget. Like, I was mentioning these changes in the wildcard thingy. I got kind of mixed up there. But now I realize it was Maryville over here, not wildcard before
2: mm. you, you caught your, I was going to correct you, but then you caught yourself after your, uh, I
1: realized so. later. I was trying to, lay yeah. it
2: it. I got, I made the mistake there. It's fine. Uh, I, I can keep my thoughts, uh, kind of short and brief here. It, Cause honestly, the, the only takeaway that I really had was that, uh, man, thank God. Yuji has a, like actually gets to play. Cause, uh, he was, he was far and away the best player of this series. I mean, that Viego game alone was, uh, Disgusting. The the man was like 902 and two, so I think Spyrex played very well uh, as well as well. Oni kind of got him in the uh, second game with some more help from jungle, but I mean this was just the blanket example of why Spyrex should be made and why Uzi should have been playing. I you, here you go. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. I think the two sides of the coin here, as somebody who is really into this AOE roster. I was pretty disappointed in how the bot lane performed, especially. Like, I think it did not look great for Wixie and Breezy. And this is a bot lane duo that I had a lot of hope for to potentially be standing out as one of the top bot lanes. And I didn't really have Scary Jerry Zyko pegged that highly. I do think Scary Jerry and Zyko look good. Like, I think they they played together quite well. I think, yeah, Zyko's Renata in game number one was nuts. Um, Scary Jerry syncs up with Spyrax for a pretty sick MF combo in game number three that really gets the UG ball rolling as well. That
1: was really, really smart, by the way. The, the, the coming MF game pick? I yeah, I thought really it was really well MF played. Pick. i actually, like, I was doubting it, but then the longer the game went, like, the way that they actually set up for the MF to get max value with the ultimates was really, really good. Like, I thought there was a slight opportunity window where AoE could win the game, but it was so quickly shot down by Murraybell that after that it was impossible.
0: Yeah, I think, like, game number two at least showed us that, like, some things never change, right? Like, <laughs> Onak can still play Orianna and carry a game, yeah. uh, and Niles will still pick Nar when it doesn't belong and, and yeah. lose the game and get solo killed yeah. by Samudo's Aatrox. Like, some things will never change. Uh, those are two of them. But, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I don't want to, like, completely jump off the AOE hype train or anything, but I was pretty disappointed with this series from them. And I hope they can show us some more in, in week number two and that, you know, they just kind of got, got surprised out of the gate by the very, very experienced UG Spyrax duo. And that they'll be able to kind of grow to learn to compete with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm following up just saying like, I love that Judy actually gets to play. I was kind of, mm-hmm. Skeptical if he doesn't get the chance. So more Judy the better for us because he's a great jungler. It should be in the NACL Has a lot of prospect and upside for future as well. So hopefully we keep more opportunities for him and then I'm like for Maryville. The only other thing I'm thinking is if Niles Ends up like going what are they going to look for after that? but like they still have a, at the very least some more time before like having
0: to make that sort of decision. You just the mean like who's, who's going to be next. the next Barryville top laner after Niles yeah, is gone? Yeah, I,
1: I was waiting to see who was actually going to be, but like
0: they have PCL fun, fun. on the bench, but yeah, Our PCLs. Kid, Lord. PCLs. <laughs> okay. Ancient. Uh, well, but
1: actually, with the with the way that that college collegiate has been moving around, like they probably snatch up someone from a cat from uh, tier three into their university and that way they actually get like yeah. a top laner in some way. Like who's so very fun. good. So yeah.
0: Like who's, who's coming of age? Shocky, Shockey is gotta be just graduating be high shockey. school this year. I think, uh, if they want yeah. to get a rookie, uh, or, you know, yeah, yeah they, I agree with TDS though. Like Maryville has that kind of pull where like anybody, yeah. if you're a top laner and you're kind of, you know, in between stages of your life and you're not getting a starting spot on a tier two team, Going to Maryville. Well, is as long as solid. they
1: stay in N A C L, like the it brings even yeah. more pool, right? It, it's so a it's a really because so, it's mind. like, you know,
0: imagine like Bradley comes back and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't find a tier two team for whatever reason. Could go to Maryville. Imagine yeah. Bradley comes back and steals somebody currently in Tier Two's job. Now that guy's out. Could go to Maryville. Uh Licorice or Revenge. Could go to Maryville. Revenge doesn't need to. Revenge has got undergrad done already he's going to be a doctor. Um yeah, it would be licorice, right? But that licorice would be could, uh, <laughs> if you wanted to. I'm just
1: saying that would be so cute, interesting to see but like yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunities for any player that wants yeah. to go for other guys like there's guys draft.
0: like lurking around too, Lunasia, who knows what he's doing, yeah. Concept. You know, there's there's guys that were oh, at the tier yeah. two level and now aren't here and aren't in OQs either. Could always go to you know, mariville has quite a lot of, of pull i don't think they'll have any trouble recruiting and the other option there's also Order, the option like
1: hoarders out the, there Porter. yeah or or bring up a, an international player that wants to just do college
2: that also is an option true they'd be a perfect they'd be a perfect spot to bring uh it's the wrong lane but um if they were having this issue mid I would just be screaming off for Akashi. That was the, the a, yeah, that was the Ole Miss move.
0: Yeah. Ole Miss is running straight now. Who was yeah at Worlds for L, or at MSI for LLA two years ago. Yep, as a support.
1: Yeah, and he's actually like I uh, like oq Wise. I don't think that he performed to the level that I was expecting, but he's a good top laner. So that's a move that I can see from from other NA colleges trying to look for. Other players, and that's also one thing that I'm expecting to see more commonly happen because LA is kind of <laughs> so, yeah. I'm expecting to see something similar soon with other
0: players. Yeah, LLA, but, um... has, LLA is this top laner that used to be really hyped. His name's Summit, he could, he yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> could come to Marathon. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: he plays uh... pretty similar to Nile, so like it would be a natural
2: transition, true. <laughs> um. But to kind of wrap us back, I, I I um yeah, AoE, like even in game number two, like just like the weirdest decision made like they were yeah. so addicted to diving yeah. bot. And I don't like Scary Jerry got back in the game because he got two kills, and the kills he got were on uh Rosethorn in Enemy Jungle Looking because at a really weird dive. Yeah, I remember yeah. the one that you're talking about. Yeah, after Zyko's like, Render. all right. Zyko's like, all right, Wixie, I'm gonna take up two tower shots, and then you ult me out, all right? And Scary Jerry wasn't even like near; he was like, he was like 70% HP. Like, what? What? You had wave coming, and then Rose Thorn's just like, he takes two turrets shots to the body. It's like, I'm out of here. And then Rose Thorn's just like, yep, what? What the shit? All right, I guess I'm just dead. And then the other one was Zamudo teleporting down, and then he dies under turret to, to Scary Jerry after they they try and four man down there. I it just, and that was the game they won. So. Yeah, I don't know. You have yeah. to have hope that it's going to improve.
1: Because it cannot... Like, I, 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 at the very least, can see this being one of the lowest points
0: for AOE. I hope so. Which I really hope they, the who are they... Who do they have coaching them? They have... Uh, oh, Griffin. They have Griffin sure, from Wild Card. Griffin, yeah. Um, yeah, Sean Bao Wei. Griffin. Sean Bao Wei, yeah. as he likes to go by now. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so hopefully he can kind of pull something out of these guys uh because yeah, yeah as, week one it looked like same zamuto same rose thorn same Onat, and then wixie yeah. and breezy looked worse than i expected so it this was not the week one i was hoping for from this aoe team
2: am i the only one that's slowly wanting to start selling off zamuto stocks which is so sad thinking about where we were at the start of summer
0: Just given how – I mean, it's just such a competitive top-lane environment right now, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, with how good – I mean, Jenkins came back and looks great. Quacker's been looking really good. There's some hope for Dragoon that this could be, like, his meta – um Surti's still being really, yeah, like Certi's really still great. Phillips still great. I think everybody still thinks tenacity's great. Like those guys are on the That's come fair. up on the edge of LCS. Like Denethor's waiting in the wings. Bradley's out grinding in Korea. It's like it's just so hard. To, it's such a yeah, competitive like, environment, Benethor, and it's like Denethor is
1: licking his lips to any open position right now because like, I feel like everyone, anyone who slips up, it's a Denethor moment.
0: Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's just you know, it's been it's been a year now. Or this is his this is just his second split, so I don't really wanna I don't wanna give up on Zumudo too too fast. But um Yeah, I mean, you know he's I think he's good, he's naturally losing some of the hyper more, more hype attributes of like being new and like you know, this Korea this guy camp. could he's losing some of the like this guy could be anything mystique and replacing that with mediocre footage. So I think it's natural that the hype is going a little downhill. I still believe he could turn it back around, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he looks, he looks like the same player. He was on wildcard last year. Um, the whole top side looks like the same players they were last year. Um, so I, I need to, I want to see some growth from all of them. Yep. All right. Hopefully it happens. Well, I think that's going to be about our episode. We got just about an hour in there. I think that's pretty good pace. Uh, We'll be back next week. We're going to have four more series next week. will be the only other week this season with so few games. Then we will have at least three series or at least six series a week rather than the four series a week uh, to go over. So looking forward to that. Check out NACL this weekend where we are going to get to see two different Supernova series. Going to get to see FlyQuest again against Team Liquid. That's going to be a fun series. Yep. And what series am I forgetting? What's the other series?
2: um wild card no, Mirage oh, Wildcard yeah, Mirage, Wildcard Mirage. That,
0: that'll be that could be a cool series too that could be a fun competitive one so definitely check those out and uh we'll be back next week to break them all down thank you all for hanging out and uh we'll see you next time